On this week's episode of Real Estate Success, the Whistleway podcast, I talk with Kyle about uh, real estate investing and how you can change from sending deals off to your real estate investors to actually being the real estate investor yourself. One of the things that Kyle says over and over, if you've been listening to the podcast, watching our, our uh, snippets from our weekly meetings, or hearing him on stage, he always says finding money is easy. I really dig in and say, Kyle, how do we find that money? He gives us five ways to find money so that way you can be the investor, you can help your client, and you can make uh, both your, your investor's money and yourself more money. That's all today on the Whistle Away podcast. Kyle, one of the things you've been talking a lot about recently, uh, both in our team meetings, also on stages, is talking about how to make more money, uh, not only for you, but how do you uh, turn a money-making opportunity into a better experience for your client as well. And so I want to talk a little bit about today about not sending your next flip to an investor and actually you becoming the investor or the flipper yourself. Yeah, this is a mistake I've seen for many, many years, and I, I made the same mistake a long time ago. Uh, I got in this industry during the short sale and foreclosure crisis back in 08, 09, 2010, um, and I got so many of these beat-up properties, and every time I would just call my favorite investor and be like, here you go. I got another one for you. I got another one for you, and I thought it was the coolest thing because I was double-ending these things on the, uh, the first transaction, then I'd get to relist them and I'd get a, you know, a relist commission and sometimes even complete. So that was called a trifecta for okay. those of you that are uh, bet on horses. There's the trifecta, which is you pick horses uh, first, second and third place. Then there's the superfecta where you get all four. So that's double ending the initial purchase, then relisting it, double ending that a second time. So that's a superfecta. And you're like, man, and I, I am like, a boss. I'm crushing. And even on like a superfecta, I'd make like 20 grand, right? Like, cause the, that's the, not bad money. The banks didn't pay us a lot of money when we list their properties. So yeah. we're making a reduced commission there. And then of course the investor's not paying full commission on the relist. So, you know, you're making two, uh, partial commissions or reduced commissions, probably a better use of terms. And I thought it was the coolest thing until I realized I made 20 and they made a hundred. Yeah. That's where it stings a little more. Yeah. And so I got to a point I said, screw this. I'm not going to send these to investors anymore. I'm going to be the investor. So that's what we're going to hit on today. Very cool. Cool. Welcome to the Whistle Way podcast. My name is Kyle Whistle, your host with EXP Realty in San Diego. I'm Brian Kochi, Director of Marketing here at Whistle Realty Group. The goal of the show is to give you the tools, techniques, and tactics to go out there and crush it in your business. The way that we like to do that is to answer questions that you have for us. So I'd love it if you have a question, you want it featured on a, a future episode of the show, go to thewhistleway.com. You can ask us questions on there, subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel, join our private Facebook group and email newsletter. Where we share a lot of tips and tricks and get dialed in with our video video content creation course called the Media Mayor Mastermind. Um, we we'll teach everything Brian and I've learned over the last eight plus years of creating content together all at thewhistleway.com. All right, let's jump in. Let's go. So how do you, you're now instead of sending it to an investor, right? So first I want you to talk about why you don't want to send it to an investor. Talk about the loyalty that you may have to them, but they may not have back to you. I mean, yeah, the, the thing that I've learned over the years is that a lot of us realtors think that we have to have money to be an investor, to be a flipper, or to do any of this stuff. And that is completely incorrect. The money is actually the easiest thing to find. The properties or the deals, which is deals is probably a better choice of words, 
the deals is the hard part to find. I mean, especially depending on the market you're in. We're here in California. Like the amount of money here, you can work at McDonald's and make like fifty thousand dollars a year here, like flipping burgers. It's insane. Um, I wonder if they're hiring. Let me check that <laughs> out. Maybe no in and out, not McDonald's. <laughs> you got to go to In and Out to for that. Uh, um, it, but it's insane, like the amount of money that there is, you know. And then the families that have built wealth and the inheritances, and then you know even people who've just bought like a condo, right? Like I bought a bunch of condos four years ago, or not four, uh, 2012, 10 years ago. And I bought condos that have like forexed in value. I bought these things for like a hundred grand and now they're worth like 400 grand. So there's even people who bought a condo 10 years ago and now they're sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars of equity. And those people, they bought a hundred thousand dollar condo 10 years ago. Like they could have been flipping burgers at McDonald's and bought that condo. And now they got hundreds of thousands of dollars of, e- of equity. So there's so much money out there. Um, and it's it's easy to find. And you got to think now, this is a unique market today with what's happened with interest rates. You could actually put your money in the bank and earn 5% today, which is completely abnormal. Prior to the, all this you know nonsense that's going on right now, if you could get like a percent or two, that was a really good return. Um, right now, 5%. So the people that are very safe and secure, sure, they'll put the money in at 5%. But what if they could get 10%? What if they could get 15, 20%? Like, there's a ton of people. You you call me, and if I could get an easy 20%, like, I'm probably interested. So do I want 5% or 20? I well, don't they know. They can't what call do you. you. Want? They'll have to hit you up on Instagram. <laughs> what do you want, Brian? Do you want 5% return on your money or 20? Uh, I'll take 20 all 20. day long, especially if it's backed by real estate, which is one of the most stable assets there is. So what I've learned over the years is that we control these deals if we control the deal, we can find the money. The money's so freaking easy to find. I mean, I literally was in a text thread recently with one text message, raised almost a million dollars with a single text in one thread because I presented a deal to people or an opportunity to people that was too good to resist. And people were like, wait, I have my money in the bank at 5% and I can put it with you and get 15% and I have trust you and have confidence with you and you'll guarantee this money. Like, I'll do that all day because it's three times the return. Of course, especially so with guarantee. Yeah, Let's go. It's, it's easy to find the money. So we we far too often, we sell ourselves short and think like, well, I don't have the money. I can't do this, which is why we call an investor because we're like, oh, I got to call somebody with money. Like you do, but you don't have to call and give them the deal. Just call and get their money. So let's talk about finding the deals. Yeah. How do you but find, you find deal? them all the time? Like we have this unfair advantage in real estate to where we can effectively, not by um, FCC regulations, but like we can effectively insider trade. Right? Like an insider trade is having inside information that the public doesn't have. Like, do you have that as a real estate agent? All the freaking time. You have insider information every time you go on a listing appointment. That's insider information that you have. You know that person wants to sell that property and the public doesn't. Therefore, by loose definition, that is an insider trade opportunity that you could then purchase that property privately inside without ever going public. So you have access to these insider deals all the time. You're just not thinking about it that way. The the second limiting belief, right, other than money that people have, that agents have all the time, is that, well, the property's got to go on the market so I can sell it for top dollar. Is that what the seller wants? like, Or is that what you want? And sometimes we put our own egos in front of our client's best interest and think that every client we meet with, their objective is to put the home on the MLS and sell it for the highest price. That's not what everybody wants. 
Maybe that's what you want because you want to like brag that you got the new record sale in the neighborhood. But is that what your client wants? Maybe, maybe not. What percent of, of clients would you say want that? Do a rough guess with with your well, twenty years of experience. More often than not, they all want the highest price. True, but, but do just, they want to go on the market? Is yeah. the question. So, in your experience, and this is obviously one man's experience, and it's different and different. But I'm I'm curious. I don't know. Is it ninety percent, ninety five percent, eighty percent? If they could all not go on the market and get the highest price, a hundred percent would take that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I did. Right. I didn't go on the market. I sold to Zillow. <laughs> well, and, yeah, Zillow, we love your algorithm uh, that you had for at least for a while there. Yeah. Um, it worked well for your me. algorithm was great. The uh, the thing is, every seller would love to get the highest price possible, right? Of course. But there's a, a percentage of sellers, and I don't know exactly what the percentage is, but there's a percentage of sellers that will forego the highest price for instead for the highest level of convenience. And we've talked about CarMax, right? now. So we've used this analogy before. Like, I had a, a vehicle to sell recently. I had zero desire to sell it, right? Like, I didn't want to, you got to put it up on Facebook Marketplace and AutoTrader and all these things, right? Like, you put it on all these websites, and then you got to get all these inquiries from random people trying to figure out which ones are real, which ones aren't, and all these people lowballing you. And then it's like, somebody wants to see it, and you're like, okay, this is cool. And then they show up to see it, and they're like, can we take it for a drive? And you're like, oh, shit, what do we do? Like, do I go with this person or do I hand him the keys and, you know, hope they come back with the car? Like, that's a really awkward experience. And then, like, heaven forbid they actually want to buy it. Now we got to figure out how does this money work and transferring the title and are they going to wire me the money? Are they going to give me a cashier's check? But if they give me a cashier's check, what if I put it in and then I think the money's there and then the money's not there, but I already signed the title. Over. That's a terrifying experience. So yeah. there's a lot of people. CarMax knows that. And CarMax serves a place in the market for people who are willing to sacrifice a little bit of, of price in exchange for convenience. Well, if that exists in cars, it exists in homes, but we don't think that way. We think that everybody wants the top dollar approach, right? That everybody wants to get maximum dollars out of their transaction, but there's a lot of people who don't want to deal with, oh, I, first I got to find the realtor, then I got to like spend all this money getting the house ready, I got to clean the house up, then I got to put it on the market. Everybody in the neighborhood knows my home's for sale. There's a sign in the front yard and people are going to drive by and they're going to stand in my yard and they're going to take pictures and they're going to grab flyers out of this box. Then my agent says I have to do this open house thing where I got to open the doors and let like a hundred random strangers come through the house. And then all these people are going to want to come see the house at all hours of the day. And then I got kids, I got dogs. I got to put all this stuff away. I got to clean up. And as soon as I clean up, there's a showing. Then I let my kids back in the house. They tear it apart. Then there's another showing. And then like an offer is going to come in. Who knows when the offer is going to come in and who knows what the price is going to be and then I got to negotiate with somebody then I come to terms with somebody right like you get it this not everybody wants that there's other people if they could just get their price and be gone they're happy they're willing to sacrifice some price in exchange for convenience but in our head when we go and we meet with a seller and the seller's like well I don't want to go on the MLS we're like but are you stupid like how, how am I going to get you the highest price if we don't go on the MLS like maybe the highest price isn't what's mo what's motivating to them Maybe convenience is motivating to them. And so first and foremost, like just understand your job is to help your client accomplish their goal. If their goal is just, hey, I just want this thing sold. If I can have this thing sold by the end of the month, I'm happy. And you get them whatever that maximum, you know, attainable dollars. We talk about this total attainable dollars. Um, and you help them get as much as they can out of it while getting out by the end of the month. You did your job. Congratulations. Maybe you didn't have the record high sale price for the neighborhood, but you did your client exactly what they wanted in that situation. And we've talked about different scenarios where this might come into 
play. It could be right. You talked about uh, families with young kids, um, divorce situations. They might not want to go on the market. Uh, hoarder situations, or maybe the home's been beat up. Uh, my situation was, I need to get my offer. I need to get my house sold so I could get uh, so I could buy my next house. And so the total dollar five grand wasn't going to do me a much difference. Ten grand wasn't going to do me much difference when this this was the one house we wanted. Um, are there any other scenarios that you've run into that you see this happen more often than maybe an inherited property? There's inherited properties where they just want it gone. Just give me my money and, and move on. If I can get this number, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's military. Military. Have, I mean, there's all the Ds, right? Death, divorce, disease, disaster, default, diapers, diplomas, deployment. Like there's all, all that We've stuff. added a few more in there. Yeah, huh? I'm to like 10 now. Wow. Yeah, we've added. It's not five. I'm pretty sure it's 10 Ds. I was going to say, I, um, I haven't heard a few of those. <laughs> yeah, diamonds. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, so there people just have life circumstances that come up too. I mean, there's there's people where their parent, you know, um, you know, gets diagnosed with some sort of condition that requires memory care. And that shit's expensive. Like you got the only way you're going to pay for it is to sell the house sometimes. So you need to get it sold to get mom or dad into memory care. Like there's so many situations where people just need a quick sale and they're okay leaving a little money on the table where that convenience just like they are when people go to CarMax. And I don't know if you know this, but CarMax is like the number one used car dealership in the country. So I want to spend the rest of today on, because you always say this and I don't know the answer. You say money's the easy thing to find. Mm-hmm. And you said, oh, I sent a text and I got a million dollars. I mean, am I, who, I don't know how, I don't know how to do that. And you're always like, oh, it's easy to find the deal. Find, you'll get the money. And I'm like, but how do I just text randos and be like, can I get a million dollars, please? Well, you know what you're not going to get any more text on? Is that fucking ERC tax credit. Have you noticed you don't get any of those texts? I was uh, getting like two or three of those texts every day. They all stopped. Oh, well. Is that credit stopped? Also, my, ta- my, my text messages stopped because there's uh, regulations and all sorts of stuff. So there's fun situations. You're probably getting a lot less text messages, which uh, good for most. But, like, but my text messages won't send. Anyways, um, how do you make the money? How do you find the money? For sure. So the... Best advice is get involved in all of the real estate networking groups in your area. They call them uh, REIs, real estate investment clubs. There's tons of them in your area. I promise you. If you just type in to Google, just go in real estate investment clubs in and then the name of your city. I promise you there's already something that exists in the unlikely event and go on like meetup.com too. Um, and, and the unlikely event that you can't find a club. So I would be looking in Google. I would look on Facebook in the group section. I would look on Meetup. Uh, those are probably my first three places that I would look. Maybe Eventbrite? You could look in Eventbrite. Those are typically going to be somebody hosting that wants to like sell you some shit. Mm. Um, you could. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying no, but yeah. that would be in like my second tier of cool. where I would search. But I would say those would be my, my three primaries, Google, Facebook, Meetup. And just look for investment clubs in your area. And if... In the unlikely event one doesn't exist, guess what? You just found a blue ocean and you get to start one. Because um, everybody wants to be a freaking real estate investor, um, especially the, the younger generation right now. I mean, there's I was investing in currency trading and shit when I was in high school. Like Now that's like normal to do. Were you trading. investing or stealing? <laughs> oh, I was stealing and investing. Okay. I did both. Okay. I liked money as a kid. Uh, yeah. Um, I probably shouldn't have brought that up. Hopefully. It's fine. Whatever. It's fine. I went to jail. It's, it's all good. I, I just kept stealing until I got caught and I went to jail. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Um, it's all and good. Don't I don't it, hide it from it. And you haven't done that anymore. I don't hide from it. That's fine. That's my past 20 plus years ago. Um, <laughs> okay, so go to real estate investment mass or investment clubs. 
these, and these are clubs where you network with people. I mean, these are all people that are either investing themselves, have a desire to invest, but you're going to find money in places like that. And if you go to one of those and you just tell people like, hey, I have a deal. I'm looking for a partner. I'm looking for somebody to invest with me. I guarantee you, if you go to one of these events, print yourself out a little flyer, say, hey, I've got a property tied up. Like, ideally, you have the property tied up. And now you're just saying like, hey, I've got this. We're about to tie one up today, for example. Um, we're about to tie up a three-bedroom, two-bath house here in La Mesa, 650 purchase price, 150 rehab, million-dollar ARV. Net profit on that thing will be north of $100,000. Hey, Brian, I've got this deal tied up. Would you be interested in investing on this one? Let's call it I'm going to need... Uh, $250,000. Brian, would you be interested in investing two hundred fifty k with me? Um, I'll return that two fifty dollars plus $50,000 back in about four months from now. Would that be something of interest to you? Yes. Like, that's all you're doing. Okay. You're just having that conversation with people. And if you run the numbers on that, if you gave me two fifty and I gave you a $50,000 on top of that in four months from now, that's a 20% return on a three-month basis. When you annualize that out, that's an insane return. Far better than the 5% they're getting in their bank account. So if you go and you just you tell your story, I have property tied up, purchase, here's my purchase price, here's my ARV, here's my, or sorry, here's my rehab, here's my ARV, here's my projected ARV is after, after rehab value. Okay, yep. After rehab value, yeah. Here's my ARV. Um, you know, I'm looking for an investor to come in. Here's what the investment would be. Here's the projected return. Here's what the annualized, you know, return on investment would be. Is that something you're interested in? Now, you know, you know how to run all these numbers. You've been doing this for a while. If an agent's listening and they go, I don't know how to figure out ARV. I don't know how to figure out, you know, what, what the, um, ARV is probably pretty actually easier to figure uh, out than the I rehab. So. Yeah. Uh, but you don't know if it's going to cost 50 grand or a hundred grand or 20 grand to rehab. Yeah. Yeah. Do you bring in a contractor that you work with? I and think say, you should. Like, we have rough numbers that we use. Now, it, this is going to vary wildly. Like, what it costs in San Diego versus just going up the road to Riverside, it's substantially different pricing. So if I go to Biloxi, Mississippi, it's probably going to be a whole other world of pricing. So I think the best thing you could do is meet with, tie the property up, meet with three contractors. You need to learn this because this is going to help you not only in your investment business, but in your just typical real estate business too. So this is one like I would not recommend just Googling this shit. I would recommend like this is one you you need to get, um, roll up your sleeves, get a little dirty and learn this stuff so you can understand what is it like to meet with a contractor, understand what is the process, what is the cost, what is the timing, what's the payment schedule. Like you should learn this. So this is one that I wouldn't just like glaze over. I think it's a valuable part of the learning process to go and meet with three contractors and get bids. Plus get ideas too. Like when you meet with contractors and you're walking through a fixer, they're going to give you ideas of like, what can they, what could be done? Oh, what, you know, if we took this wall out, we could do this, you know, and oh, here's what I look for to find if it's load bearing. Like you're walking through with a contractor that can help educate you. You'll learn so much. So I would say that's a very valuable usage of time. I remember I did that with you once on a, a flip um, right down the street from my grandparents' house. And you're like, oh, we want more backyard space. Can you just move this retaining wall back, you know, three feet. And he's like, if I move it back three feet, it's going to have to be a six foot retaining wall. And you're going from a $10,000 wall to like a hundred thousand dollar wall because there's permitting and those numbers are made up, but it was like astronomical, the amount of where any of those, and you get what a hundred more square foot of backyard. And you're like, okay, we'll keep the wall where it is. Let's uh, move on. So cool. Um, so first finding the money with real estate investment clubs. Yeah. 
what else? I would start thinking about like for me the what I've done is I've tapped into other networks. So figure out what networking groups can you be a part of. Um, so whether that's chambers of commerce or BNI groups or Latip groups, like these are all networking groups, um, things like that. The group that I've had really good luck with is getting into rooms with other wealthy people. Um, so I joined a group called the Entrepreneur Organization in order to be a member of that. Everybody in there has to own a business that does a million dollars or more in revenue per year. Then there's like a higher level of that, which is YPO, which I think is like $10 million or more. Um, What's the so, higher one? I need to join that one. Yeah, we'll, I'll get you connected. <laughs> um, so joining groups like that, where now you're getting in rooms with other entrepreneurs, um, that's a very valuable place to be. Getting involved in, you know, um, anything like at your alumni associations, mm. like if you went to college, getting involved there. Um, and then just, you know, professional networks, getting into groups where who else makes a lot of money, attorneys, doctors, stuff like that, um, getting into networks with those people. And then it's just asking, you know, putting it out there on social media, like, hey, I've got a deal. Who do you know who's looking to invest in this market? Who do you know who's looking to make 20% return over the next four months? Like, even if somebody isn't themselves, they might know somebody who is. Now, we haven't talked about friends and family. Yeah. Do you recommend doing this or do you recommend, I mean, I've heard people say, avoid working with friends and family. This is not a, a guaranteed thing. There is risk involved. Uh, do you recommend doing this or no? Uh, tread lightly. I wouldn't okay. say yes. I wouldn't say no. You, you know your family. Um, if you have, I would not get into it with family if you're, you're taking like every dollar they have and putting them like at risk. I would not fuck with it. Okay. With family. Um, if you have family that you know is, is very wealthy and has money, like 250 grand to kick around, by all means, and, and they'd probably love to support you and help you grow. Um, but I would not be, you know, trying to get money out of people that, that barely have it or, or don't have it at all. Like, I would not put those people in that position. But friends and family, is it's a common place to go. But I, I would tread lightly and make sure I'm doing it with people that really understand what they're doing, that do, you know, put money into a variety of investments that are comfortable taking some risks. I don't want to be somebody's first risk. And then finally, would you pull money... Would you pull money out of your house and do like a yeah, HELOC absolutely. or refi? Yeah. I mean, the, people do this all the time where they're, they brag that they like paid their house off. Or uh, I, I had a friend today, God bless him. He's, he had me up. He's like, hey, is it true that I can make like a lump sum payment to the bank and then they'll adjust my mortgage payments lower? It's like, motherfucker, if you are sitting on a stack of cash, the last thing you should do is put it on your house, which all you're going to do is like, decrease where you you have a three percent interest rate like you're basically getting to borrow that money and only paying three percent like take that and go invest it like if you're sitting on a, a bag of cash right now like that's the perfect person you better believe i'm hitting him up and i'm going to help him understand some of these investment opportunities um the worst thing you do like you shouldn't be bragging and now look you might be like a dave ramsey person cool there's um you do you I'm not going to go there. Um, I kind of want you to go there. It's just a, a different philosophy. Um, <laughs> Dave Ramsey resonates with me a little bit more <laughs> than I yeah, think he does. Yeah, well, Mr. Safe and Conservative, <laughs> you love it. But Dave, there's some things I agree with with Dave, but being debt-free on your home, I think, is silly. Being debt-free and other things I agree with. Um, but yeah, you should take that money. Like, If you're sitting on a ton of equity in your home or you just got a bag of cash in the bank, like, go invest that. Worst case, put it into something that's earning you 5%. Like, If you're paying the bank 3% interest, and you could earn 5% interest in a, a high yield savings account, like put it in there and you're arbitraging 2%. Like at least do that at a bare minimum. But ideally you're taking that bag of cash and you're investing it. 
Um, but pulling, I'm all for pulling equity out of your house. Like even today, people are like, oh, the equity line of credit's like 10%. Okay. But if you can make 20% with that money, that's worth it. So yeah, cool. I'm for it. This is good. Yeah. I got what I needed. Yeah, just don't be scared of investing. And then here's the thing too. Like we talk about insider knowledge. Like you know what the ARV is. Okay. If, if you don't know what ARV is, you know what ARV is. You just haven't heard that term before. What is the property going to be worth fully rehabbed? You've sold fully rehabbed houses in the neighborhood. You know what people are willing to pay. And you've shown houses in the neighborhood. You know the features the buyers are looking for. You're not guessing. Most investors aren't walking buyers through the home. You are. Like you're walking the buyer through the home and you're seeing the reaction when you point out the textured wall, right? With the lights behind it. And you see the buyer's reaction like, oh, that's so cool. And you realize like, this wall's not very expensive. Maybe I should put a wall like that in. Like you know what the buyers are looking for. The investors are guessing, you know. You it, have so much insider info that you're not giving yourself enough credit. Yeah, and it's it, it's really easy to... It says the guy who hasn't done it. But if you went to a listing appointment, you've you already some bags in the bank, Brian. Give me some bags. Uh, Let's go. You've already if you go to a listing appointment, I don't know what that means. If you go to a listing appointment, you have already run the comps. You already say, I know what this home will sell for, comparing it to the other homes around the similar size square foot, similar conditions, similar bedrooms and bathrooms. I know it'll sell between, you know, six and six fifty. Well, do that same thing, but instead, and compare it to the same group of homes, but instead of the, the condition being, you know, last updated in the 80s, last updated this year, compare that and you go, oh, very easily you can say, okay, instead of 650, it's going to be, you know, 850 to 900. There's your ARV. Yep. And as long as, you know, if it's from 600 to 900, as long as your rehab cost isn't 300 grand, there's money to be had there. That was good. You keep saying money's easy to find. I'm like, but I don't, I don't know where to find it. So now I have a better understanding. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Now I'm going to find some money and then find some deals. And Give me those bags, Brian. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> All right, cool, guys. Well, hopefully you got some value out of that. If you did, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the thumbs up button. Let YouTube know you enjoyed it. If you have a question, throw it in the comments section. Brian and I personally respond to all of those. And if you want more of our content, hit the subscribe button and the little notification bell. YouTube will do the rest. And if you're listening on a podcast platform, make sure to uh, give us a subscribe. And if you have a couple minutes, could write a review about your takeaways from today's pod. That would be very much appreciated. Before we wrap, one of the things we like to do is share something we utilize in our business that saves us time, makes us more money, or just helps us have a little bit more fun. What do you got, Brad? This one is not my favorite. It's oh, not the most unique. Here but, we go. Um, we've all been talking about AI. We've all been talking about GPT for all this year. Uh, one of the things that I realized fairly recently is you can actually have the chat GPT app on your phone rather than going to the web browser um, on your computer. There are times where I want to respond to an email really quickly. You can just copy and paste it, respond to this email. Um, so chat GPT, the iPhone app, not my favorite, not my favorite widget. That's fine. You're going to, yeah, just take an easy one. That's fine. I use take it. I, no, it's fine. Take I've been the using layup, it lately. Right? So that's it. Take the layup. All right. I'll do one that's tied into what we're talking about today. Uh, if you're looking for something to help you calculate return on investment for a fix and flip, for example, you obviously would love to have a place to go. Um, so bigger pockets, they have, if you go to biggerpockets.com, they have a tools section and inside that tool section, they actually have a flip, a fix and flip calculator in there for you. So you can go in there, you can run some numbers, you can play around with it, you can put reports together um, and really educate yourself on like how to actually analyze properties. There's also a ton of other ones in there about wholesaling and burring and uh, a lot of other really cool calculators. 
we don't burr in San Diego, Brian. The numbers don't work here, but in other parts of the country, we burr. Uh, we could do a, a whole separate episode on that. So check it out, biggerpockets.com, and go to that tool section, and then there's a fix and flip calculator there that you can play with. Ballsy, promoting a, a alternate podcast. That's good, good on you. I didn't promote the podcast. I promoted their calculator. <laughs> okay, sure thing. I never even mentioned anybody else's podcast. Okay. Thanks for watching this week's episode of the Whistle Way Podcast. <laughs> awesome, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Kyle Whistle with EXP Realty. I'm Brian Kochi. We'll see you next week. Later. <laughs>